In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about having your shit figured out. Suspicious menu items. Science taking time. And taking a sensible approach to the apocalypse. In our discussion of Into the Mist by PC Cast. Everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss Into the Mist by PC Cast. <laughs> Sorry, everyone knows. Everyone knows my love and obsession. Okay. Um, standard disclaimer. If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. <laughs> I am very excited to talk about this one. I know, I know. And the background info that I have to prepare is to go back and listen to all the episodes with PC Cast because we've been waiting on this one for a long time. Yeah. She told us about this one, or she told us this one was coming, I don't know, several episodes ago. I don't even remember when it was, but she's been on a bunch and she told us it was coming. And so we've been anxiously waiting for it. And now it's here. I feel like it was all the way back at the first, like... Like House of Night Times? When, yeah. When they were on, or when she was on for the end, I think. Yes. In Found. I think she might have because mentioned Because we were getting teased about the Sisters of Salem. Yeah. And she was teasing us. No, it couldn't have been. It could have been because she she started this in the pandemic. Was it was so, that in the pandemic? I can't remember time. Yeah, that yeah, that was pandemic time. Yeah, because But it was the other world series, not the House of Night core series. No, no, no. Yeah, the the end. The end of House of Night. Um Yes. The end end of the other world too. So found yeah. when she was on Profound, I think is when she was yes. talking about it. I think it I think yeah, yeah. I think it's been since then. Or it could have been when we were Talking Sisters of Salem, because she did also join us then. And then a couple weeks ago, we had a mini special bonus right before this book came out, which is really fun and something no that we haven't done before. No, I know. We didn't have any single was, spoilers, not it one. It was wild, and I was dying. It was uncomfortable. I enjoyed it. I, I will, will do, do it, it again. again. Yes. But it was freaking weird. It was. It was so weird. <laughs> so I feel like I I want everyone to know that I am very special. Well, we know that. <laughs> I got to join PC Cast's street team, and so I was sent some signed book plates for this book, mm. and I have one extra one. Oh. That I would love to send to a listener if anyone is so inclined to receive a signed Into the Mist book plate. Ooh. I've got one left. And it's supposed to be for me, but 
I already have a signed copy of this book. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so I will share one signed book plate. Let's get in touch with us via our social media yes. or through the website, fictionalhangover.com. Yes. Contact us. I would love to send one book plate out to someone very special. Who's it gonna be? Shrug. Shrug. All right. Do you have initial thoughts that are... Squee! Squee. Yeah. Mine's just... (laughs) Oh, my God! Oh, you went so loud that Zoom cut you out. Really? Well, don't worry, because I'm sure my microphone didn't pick it up over here on this side. (laughs) As long as my hearing's fine, it's okay. The listeners can have that one. Yes. Yes, they can. I was just so excited for this one. So excited! I think for we this just one. need to dive into it because we if we do. start talking about it anymore, we're, we're not to we're not going to be able to stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, oh, before we start though, everybody, make sure you check out the bonus episode because, of course, PC Cast joined us again, and there's a really great bonus episode, and it's so 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 good. Oh, it's a good one. Don't forget about it. Okay. It's a really good one. Mercury, Rhodes, and Stella Carver are walking through the snowy sunlight at Timberline Resort in beautiful Oregon. Their National Certified Teachers Conference just ended, and they're meeting up with the rest of their group from Oklahoma to head to the airport and go back home. As they dish about Stella's night with the romance novel stud bartender named Dusty Rhodes, their principal, Richard Hale, comes by and rushes them to the SUV. Apparently, everyone else is waiting on them, and he likes to make them feel bad about that. They're greeted at the SUV by the other teachers, Jenny, Karen, Amelia, and Coach Davis. As they're getting settled and ready to drive away, another teacher friend of theirs, Imani, spots them and stops to say goodbye. Richard gets fed up, and they pull away from the hotel only to have to stop just a few miles down the road. Amelia's got to pee. Of course, Mr. Hill is displeased at having to stop so soon after leaving, but Amelia is seven months pregnant and that little bundle of joy is jumping on her bladder, or at least it feels like he is. So they have to pull over at a scenic overlook so she can relieve herself. Listen, the struggle is real when this happens, people. (laughs) If someone's got to pee, you let them pee, regardless of the baby, to be fair. Yes. Ugh. So as she does, everyone else takes in the view. Mount Hood is, it's gorgeous and green and it's the perfect backdrop for a selfie. The group gathers to take a picture, but then they notice a contrail in the sky and another and another. And the ground starts to shake as the bombs hit their targets. Nearby cities like Portland and Salem and several others. And then a huge wall of emerald green mist rushes over them and they pass out. Oh, damn. The green mist makes the ladies feel like they're burning on the inside. But then the feeling passes. Well, it does for Mercury and Stella, anyway. Amelia screams in agony that something is broken inside her as her son is born too early and immediately turns to a puddle of viscera. Unfortunately, Amelia doesn't survive either. 
Mercury, Stella, and Jenny then search frantically for Mr. Hale, Coach Davis, and Karen. They find a puddle that used to be Coach Davis, and then spot Karen praying over to the side. She finds Mr. Hale, who also puddles. What is going on? The teachers decide that the bombs that fell and put out the green mist are some sort of biological weapon, and that most large cities all over the United States have probably also been hit. Stella, Mercury, Jenny and Karen spot an old truck nearby whose passengers were also enjoying the overlook and have also puddled. Mm. They grab their bags from the SUV they were in that is now flipped over and jump in the truck. Luckily, it is still in working order, so they drive off back to Timberline. On the way, they both fortunately and unfortunately encounter another group of survivors. This group has split in two. The first are mostly injured, and Stella, Mercury, Jenny, and Karen stop to assist them, helping load them into the bed of the truck. Two of the group, a teen girl, Gemma, and her mom, Sadie, aren't really hurt and are gracious for the assistance. Truck full, the group drives up to the second half of survivors, who are, um, assholes. Yeah. The leader of this group, Alvin Rutland, tries to take the truck and or throw away Stella, Mercury, Jenny, and Karen's belongings so they can ride too. Stella and Mercury get a bad feeling and have to end up threatening to shoot Alvin with a gun they found in the glove box of the old truck. He yells as they drive away that he'll never forget this. Ugh. Fuck that guy. Alvin Rutland. Fuck that guy. A dick. The group arrives safely back at Timberline and hides their truck from future Alvins. The resort is partially intact and there is a lot of puddled bodies around. But luckily, there are many survivors too, including Imani. Yay, thank goodness. The group gets settled safely inside and meets Dr. Hillary, Ken, a mechanic, Bob, a handyman, and Tyler, a bellboy. They all worked at the lodge and are now doing their best to maintain it. There aren't many survivors, but there are about 30 people at the resort. Gemma immediately begins helping the doctor. Even though she's a teenager, she wants to be a surgeon when she grows up and has been volunteering at hospitals before the world ended. She's an excellent assistant to Doc Hillary. Stella and Mercury tell Imani the truth of what happened while they were out on the road, about all the bombs and the green fog how men seem to be dying way more than women, and how probably every city has been destroyed. Imani doesn't handle this well because she has two small children and a husband that she loves very much in her hometown of San Diego. While it's not the same, Stella and Mercury declare that they're Imani's family now. Found family! They decide to help Dr. Hillary and Gemma by gathering supplies with Karen and Jenny. Together, they go to the shops inside the lodge and get pain relievers, candles, clothing, and other useful things to help the wounded. Unfortunately, handyman Bob suddenly starts coughing blood. Gemma runs to his side, which helps him feel better, but he soon succumbs to the after-effects of the fog. Ken and Tyler take his body away. Stella, Mercury, and Imani go to check out the kitchen after this because good food will help everyone feel better. Before Bob died, he let the group know that there are generators in working order, so they will have a bit of power to cook up some delicious food. They find a well-stocked pantry, full freezers, and a ton of wine. 
Stella starts making sandwiches and preparing stew ingredients, while Imani plans to make biscuits and Mercury cuts potatoes to make fries. They talk about Imani's kids and whether Stella or Mercury ever wanted children. And yeah, Mercury would have, but it never worked out. But that conversation comes to a close when Mercury slices her finger. Ooh. 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 Those scenes in TV shows and stuff when they just slice the fingers by accident. I know, it gives me chills. Blood gets all over the potatoes and they fret about getting Gemma or the doc to sew up her cut. But the wound isn't as bad as everyone thought. In fact, it seems to have already started healing. That's odd. And what's even more odd is that the potatoes Mercury was just cutting up are now sprouting with new growth. Huh. Whoa. Karen and Jenny join them, and then Mercury remembers something else weird like that that happened when the bombs first fell and the earthquakes happened. She and Stella were injured, and are healed now, by the way, and Mercury swears she recalls seeing the neatly manicured rest area with clumps of high grass growing where they stood that hadn't been there when they stopped to pee. So, they heal quickly, and their blood makes plants grow. So cool! Apocalypse! (laughs) (laughs) They finish up cooking dinner, grab some wine, and share a room that night. After Apocalypse Chatting, which sounds like it should be the name of a talk show. It really does. It's going to be a spin-off of Fictional Hangover. Yes. Each woman tests her blood on a potato. Mercury, Stella and Amani can all grow things, but Karen and Jenny cannot. Soon, Gemma stops by to ask if she can stay with them. Her mom is very upset about her father, and Gemma doesn't seem to matter to her at all, Mm. which is just harsh. Mm. She tests her blood too, and yep, fresh growth. The ladies discuss what happened to them when the green mist hit. The ones who can grow things all felt burning and tingling on the inside and passed out when they were engulfed in the fog. Karen and Jenny ducked and covered and didn't breathe in much fog at all and don't remember passing out. They decide they're going to tell Doc Hillary about their magic blood, but they're going to wait until morning. Now they're going to drink more wine, get giggly and pass out. Perfect into the day. Mercury wakes to the sound of arguing and finds Imani and Gemma's mom, Sadie, out in the hallway. Sadie has decided to abandon her daughter and leave with Ken to try to find her husband. Imani tries to tell her that all major cities nearby have been destroyed, the roads are terrible, and oh yeah, it's a fucking apocalypse outside, so they're probably not going to make it or find her husband, but she doesn't care and tells Imani that she can take care of Gemma. Oh, fuck off with that, Sadie, but whatever. Imani is a good mother and will, of course, care for the teenager, and so will Mercury, Stella, Jenny, and Karen. Sadie leaves, and then Mercury and Imani give Gemma the note. She's not phased by it at all and accepts the lady's offer to stay with them. Then they all go eat a delicious breakfast prepared by Stella. More found family. Yay! Fuck off, Sadie. You can just fuck right off. Just angry rage. The group decides they need to tell Hillary about their blood, so they grab a carrot and tell her. (laughs) We have a carrot in our face. Look, look. Look what we can do. (laughs) She's elated. 
when her blood makes the carrot grow. The bellboy comes by then to let them know a trucker has just pulled up, so they go to meet him. He's a jolly man named Sim, who is on his way back home to his husband. He tells everyone that he just passed through a town called Madras that is welcoming anyone to stay with them. But he also says there's a blizzard on the way and his trucker friends all around the country have reported that all state capitals and major cities have been destroyed. Mm. Thanks. Damn. When Stella hears of the blizzard, her intuition tells her their small group needs to leave before the snow starts, but that Hillary and the others will be fine for a while at Timberline. Sim is given some supplies and heads back out to his truck, but gets swallowed up by the green mist. Dies. Damn. It's awful. Damn it. He was such a jolly old fella. He was. He was so good. When Stella tells Mercury that her intuition tells her they're going to be leaving Timberline soon, Mercury wonders if Stella's intuition has strengthened because of the fog. Stella agrees that it is very much intensified and the fog could be responsible. They tell Doc Hillary that they're leaving and then they tell everyone else about the blood potatoes and then many others test their blood too. Not many women are able to make the plants grow, but, you know, a couple are. Stella and Mercury tell Doc that they're going to leave soon, so they split up supplies, including some weed that they found growing (laughs) somewhere in the hotel, and a bunch of food, wine, and other necessities, and prepare to leave. Jenny decides she's going to stay at Timberline, and Gemma decides she's going to go with. So she, Stella, Mercury, Imani, and Karen load up the truck and head out. After driving for a bit, the snow starts to really fall, so they stop for a pee break to put chains on the truck tyres and to siphon gas from an abandoned vehicle. Just as they start to head out again, they are approached by a man with a rifle. He points his gun at them, insists that they come back with him to the camp he and some of his fellows are setting up because women folk shouldn't be alone right now, and then he refers to Amani as coloured. What a fucking no. asshole. Hate him immediately. Fuck that guy. Luckily, Gemma sneaks up and bashes his knee out with a tyre iron and we all cheer. Yay. While Mercury snatches his rifle and they're all able to safely get back in the truck and speed away. <laughs> I fuck wish she could have gone guy. for the head, yes. but I can understand why she didn't. Yes, fuck that guy. I would have gone for the head. Ugh, I would have gone for the knee and then the head. Yes, knee, bring it down to my level, head. Yep. I am not a nice person, the no, apocalypse. No, Don't call my don't friend. my friend. Don't call my friend coloured. Fuck that. Don't threaten my friends at nope. all either. Nope, hate it. All right. The next time they stop, everyone, still a little freaked out, they use a CB radio they took from Timberline to call back and let them know to avoid the area where they just bashed the guy if anyone decides to leave. As they start to drive away again, they hear crying, so Stella and Mercury investigate. A little ways down a side road, they find three children sitting on the porch of a cabin and a burned-out car with two adult corpses in the front seat. They decide to bring the children along with them since their parents are dead. The oldest, a girl called Georgie, has been caring for her younger twin brothers, Jaden and Caden, for three days. But now they have a new family. 
<laughs> so much found family in this book. It's literally fine. Lit- it's a literal found family because you're is. finding the people yes. just dotted around. It's so good. Shortly after getting back on the road, the truck is ambushed by two snowmobiles, one of which is driven by Alvin fucking Butler. Fuck that guy. He's back. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Mercury takes aim with the rifle and blows out the engines on the small snowmobiles with ease, causing one to violently crash. We all cheer. We do. Unfortunately, this is not the one driven by Alvin, but at least they're able to get away. They decide to pull over near a river when they've put distance between themselves and Alvin and Stella feels safe from any more bad men. Everyone gets out of the truck to pee and stretch their legs, but then Georgie falls into the river. One of the twins gets stranded on a rock and the green mist rolls in. Fuck! (laughs) Fuck! God, these kids are problematic already. No, fuck. Okay. A man on the other side of the river tosses his giant camping backpack aside and dives into the river to grab Georgie, while Gemma and Mercury go for the twin on the rock. The man gets hit in the head by a log, but rescues Georgie, and Gemma and Mercury get the twins to safety. As they scramble up the side of the embankment, Gemma loses her grip, and she and Mercury tumble backward into the mist. They both breathe it in and pass out. (gasps) No! Both Mercury and Gemma are okay, of course, because they have to be. Thank God. Actually, they're feeling really great. Ooh. 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 And the man and Georgie and the twins and everyone else are okay too. Well, the man has a concussion and a big cut on his forehead. Gemma begins doctoring him immediately after learning that Mercury is fine. His name is Oxford Diaz, but everyone calls him Ford, and he's uh, very handsome. So handsome. As Gemma stitches up his cut, he says that whenever she has her hand on his forehead, he feels no pain at all. Interesting. Hmm. They decide to welcome Ford into their family and he offers to show them the way to Madras because he's familiar with the area and has been to the town many times before. Mercury volunteers to go grab his backpack for him since he's concussed so they can be on their way. That's nice. Isn't she nice? She's so nice and there's more found family. Mercury crosses a rickety bridge, picks up the pack, and begins her trip back. But as she crosses back over the bridge, it collapses beneath her. Dang. She's not having a good day. She's not. She somehow manages to pull herself up from a dead arm hang with hands full of splinters and jumps over ten feet to the bank like it's nothing. Everyone rushes to help her, but she's completely fine, except for the splinters, but her hands are already healing and feeling better. Stella (laughs) offers to carry the backpack, but can't lift it more than a few inches off the ground, because, turns out, it weighs more than 50 pounds. Mercury now has super strength. Though Stella believes she's had it since her first missed encounter, but they just never realized it. And she believes that Gemma is a healer. 
And Imani is something. Perfect in every way. Perfect in every way. With everyone fed and cared for, Ford leads them across back roads towards Madras. They stop for gas once, and when Mercury takes a pee break, she sees a dead baby goat and decides to do a little ritual for it. She calls upon the green man, the horned god, the masculine personification of nature, and sends the baby goat home to the summer lands, which involves calling the five elements in a pentagram shape and holding up her pinky and forefinger to symbolise the god. When she goes back to the truck, Mercury sees Karen looking at her, but only for a moment. Ford leads the group to an overpass where they can safely hide the truck. As they begin to gather up all their things and make the short walk to the middle of town, Imani demands to stay in the truck with the children. It's a long walk for them, and they're tired and scared. Gemma decides to stay with Imani, but Karen will not be left behind. No one's telling you you have to stay, Karen. Jeez, oh my god. She's such a Karen at times. Karen, Stella, Mercury, and Ford set off. Along the way, they concoct a story about being teachers on a spring break hiking trip with Ford as their guide and plan to say that they did not encounter any mist. When they get into Madras, they are met by a roadblock guarded by a woman and two armed guys. The woman, Amber, is super fake and godly, so Karen is immediately drawn in. But Stella, Mercury, and Ford aren't falling for her fakeness. Oh my god, thank god, you're here. Oh my god, thank god. Fuck off, Amber. Amber takes the group to the elementary school that have set up a house for survivors. All the classrooms have blacked out windows and the doors to the courtyard are chained and padlocked. Nothing in Madras seems to be on the up and up. Mm -hmm. As Amber is showing them to classrooms that will be their home for now, a lady called Moira comes out of a room yelling at Amber about wanting to leave Madras and go back to her farm. Amber shoots her away and tells the group that Moira is mentally ill. That's just... Mm, no mm -mm. Before she leaves them, Amber tells them that they should have a hot shower and get some rest because there's a festival the next day. Oh, and also they need to go to the clinic and get their blood tested. You know, for science. Yeah. Normally we would support doing things for science, but not in Madras. No. No. The next day, Mercury, Stella, and Ford go shopping for supplies and do not go to the clinic for science. No science. No, sorry. <laughs> Many townsfolk have set up a sort of farmer's market with goods like soap, shampoo, sanitary products, clothes, and other useful materials. But it's all free. Mercury and Stella ask for pads and tampons, but the person at that booth says they only have diva cups, which are sustainable, but it's... Definitely menacing the way that they're described. Yeah. The three stop by another booth and get clothes for the festival, including an outfit for Karen to wear, too. She's been at church all day, praying. When Stella and Mercury get back to the room, Karen's in there reading her Bible, fresh from all day prayer. Mm. She tells the others that, in addition to being at church all day, she also went to the clinic and gave a sample of her blood. For science. What? what? Why? Why? Would Why? You do that? Stop it, Karen. Oh my God. What is wrong with you? We all know they're doing something menacing with that blood. We know this, Karen. Come on. 
She says that her blood hasn't changed. So it just backs up her story, which Stella agrees might be a good idea. So I guess. Mm, but still. Mm. Mercury gives Karen her outfit and apologises for the weirdness that she's noticed between them since the night with the side of the road goat staring. Earlier, Mercury and Stella had a conversation about how this place might be a good fit for Karen, even though they know it's weird and wrong on account of the godliness. It really seems like it might be the case since Karen is pulling away. Mm. I really liked that scene. Yeah. They're so good. Like, well, this place is fucking nutso, but it might be a good fit for Karen. And we just have to let her decide on her own. You said that really creepily. (laughs) I know. (laughs) The next day, they all get ready and go to the festival. The mayor, Eva Cruz, is there and gives a nice little speech that's only maybe a little condescending and uncomfortable. It's a lot. But then she reminds everyone, especially newcomers, a.k.a. Mercury, Stella, and Ford, to go get their blood drawn for science. Moira interrupts and demands that she be given her truck and be allowed to leave Madras to go back home. The mayor fakely agrees and sends Moira back to the classrooms to gather her belongings. After the speech, the music and dancing starts, and a few songs in, Ford asks Mercury to dance. They talk about books that they both love, and then Mercury shares that she would have had an Ostara ritual, the pagan tradition that inspired Easter, that night if the world hadn't ended. So, Ford suggests that they have a pretend one. Together, they call to the feminine and masculine forms of nature, Ford doing exceptionally well for never having done it before, and then they pretend to toss flaming prayer papers into the air and conclude their ritual. Stella, Mercury, Ford, and Karen stumble drunkenly back to their rooms later, but before they go to sleep, Stella tells them all to be prepared to get back in the truck at the moment's notice tomorrow because her intuition is telling her they'll have to leave in a hurry. Mercury wakes in the middle of the night and goes to the restrooms for some water, and hears someone crying. Thinking it's Moira and that she's supposed to rescue her and add her to their found family, Mercury goes inside. It's not Moira though, it's Karen. She's torn on what to do, and she's terrified of Mercury because of her satanic goat sacrifice. What? No. She tells Mercury that she saw her summon the devil and she saw her open a doorway for him to enter through. What the hell? What is going on? So it turns out that Karen has some abilities after all. Hmm. Mercury tells Karen that she definitely wasn't summoning Satan and explains her rituals and how she sent the soul of the goat on its destination. Karen realizes that Mercury and Stella really care about her, so she's having trouble deciding what to do. They go to the roof to think things over. While up there, Mercury notices that the courtyard that they were banned from seeing is overflowing with lush vegetables. Then they hear the mayor, Amber, and their cronies attacking Moira. They end up slitting her throat and pouring her blood over the tomatoes. 
Karen and Mercury overhear the mayor saying to bury Moira's body near the other plants because even their meat makes things grow. Ugh, gross. Gross. Amber instructs a crony to bury Moira, but then he coughs up blood and dies. So, ugh, Amber guesses she'll just have to do it herself. Oh my god. It's like break a nail. Ugh. I think she literally says that, too. (laughs) I'm gonna break a nail, oh my god. Just bury your corpse. Mercury and Karen freak the fuck out. Understandably. (laughs) And decide to leave Madras after that. Yes. Even Karen, who realises that Stella and Mercury were right all along. When they get back to the classroom, Ford and Stella are already ready to go. They take off and stealthily creep through the town and nearly get back to the truck, but are discovered by Amber and the cronies. Mercury is able to use her super strength to knock a crony back, but then they pull a gun and start firing. Mercury lifts Karen up like a sack of flour and they run. But unfortunately, Mercury gets shot. No! No! (laughs) As they near the truck, Ford lifts and runs with Mercury. And Stella uses Mercury's blood and her own to grow a thicket of thorns to protect them from Amber and the cronies. The group makes it to the truck and, after a lot of pushing by Stella... Gemma heals the gunshot. Her eyes flare green like the mist and she takes on some of Mercury's pain, but the wound is completely healed and both Mercury and Gemma pass out from exhaustion. They wake up a little later to a downpour and Mercury, Gemma and Stella shower in the rain. The blood falling from Mercury sprouts flowers all around them. Oh. They move on and finally arrive at the Painted Hills and find a newly formed cave and know that they have found their new home. Here, Karen tells them all that she saw something when the ladies were dancing in the rain and also when Gemma healed Mercury and also when Mercury called the green man to lead the baby goat away and also when she and Ford were lighting their pretend prayer papers. It seems that Karen can see the spirit world or something like it. Her blood still can't grow veggies though. Later, Stella, Mercury, and Ford go to a nearby town to gather supplies while Imani, Karen, Gemma, and the kids get things settled. The town, Mitchell, is in a valley, so they know they need to be quick before the mist shows up again. Mercury and Stella explore a general store, while Ford checks out the feed and farm store. Ford finds chickens and ducks and rabbits and pretty much everything else they could possibly need to get a new life started. It's really coming together! They even find a brewery and a bar nearby that has wine glasses and a dog who Mercury immediately (laughs) bonds with. Everything is so perfect. So of course the green mist rolls in and then to make things even worse, Alvin fucking Rutland appears. God damn it. God damn it, Alvin fucking Rutland. Fuck off. He and Ford fight. 
And Alvin fucking shoots Ford. Fuck you, Alvin. Fuck you. Then they tumble into the mist. God damn it. Mercury follows, screaming and shooting nonstop, then drags Ford back to the truck. As they drive back to the painted hills, rushing to get Gemma so she can save Ford, he says there's no saving him because he breathed in the fog and is broken inside. He dies before they make it back to their new home. Stella's devastated by this because she feels her intuition let her down but Mercury knows that Ford's spirit will live on and come back someday they have a funeral ritual and bury Ford then Mercury cuts her arm and lets flowers bloom on his grave after this is over Mercury finds Imani standing away from everyone else staring towards California which she does every night then she has a prophecy she says he will come the destroyer prepare or perish that's it nothing else and no one really has any idea what it could possibly mean damn hits keep coming later that night mercury goes to sleep and dreams of ford it's a beautiful dream and it really feels like he's there with her kissing down her neck nibbling her earlobe and holding her gently she reaches up to stroke his hair and feels that he has horns? Huh. He tells her that she'll soon be ready to understand and that he'll always be near, always and forever, and that he was destined to be here with her. He gives her a flower from his grave, and the dream ends. Mercury wakes with a start to find a yellow wildflower on her pillow. Ooh. What? Both sweet what? and creepy. What? Oh my god, this book. That was so good. <laughs> so. That was so good. So good. Oh my god. Oh my god, this book. Right. Well, while Amanda pulls herself back together. Yes, let's take a break. Messages! These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. No words. No words. Just gestures. Although, if we didn't have words and we only had gestures, it wouldn't be a very good podcast. No, that would just mean everybody has to subscribe to the Patreon. <laughs> oh, that's true. And you definitely should, because then you can watch the bonus episode with PC Cass and see how amazing she is. Again, no words. No words. No words. All right. I don't even... I don't even know how I can describe, like, my standout moments in this book and things that I loved and everything, because it was... 
just no words. No words. There are no. <laughs> there are there are no words to describe how much I love this book. I was you 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 got to it before I did multiple times. Um, multiple times, <laughs> and I knew you were going to enjoy it because it's PC cast. Right, that goes and without you saying. Enjoy PC cast. I it do. Goes without saying. Yeah, but I was surprised how much without. Have read have read the book myself. I was surprised how much you were in love with it. Like it was more than just your. This is an excellent PC cast book. Like I've never known you to devour a book so quickly, multiple times on repeat. I know. Like if this was old school cassette, you'd have you'd have snapped. The I tape. would have ruined the tapes. Yeah. How much I listened to this book, and the narrator was just amazing. Uh Lorelai King, I think. Yes. Is her name? Um she did a fantastic fucking job with this book. It, she was amazing. It was so Absolutely good. Absolutely killed it. It just goes to show as well that a good narrator can make a story even better. Yes. I mean because the print version of this book is amazing too. There are illustrations of the characters and their beautiful and it ah everything about this book it's just so good yeah (laughs) (laughs) we've turned back into official media i know i'm sorry i'm i'm sorry it's just so it's so good i can't handle it (laughs) so what are some of your favorite parts since I can't put mine into words. Since you can't verbalise today. Um, I like the fact it was quite a sensible approach to the apocalypse. Right. <laughs> they it, make, was, it was like... They make plans and they follow them. Yeah, and yeah. There's nobody goes off half... There's no, no, nothing goes off half-cocked. Like, right, so we are going to go into this town... You are going to go to this store. We are going to go through that store. And we are going to collect X, Y, and Z. We have a shopping list. Let's see if we can get the stuff that we need on the list. And if we can get some bonus items, like Stella with the wine glasses. And she was like, these need to survive. Yes. We're running for our life, but I yes. need these wine glasses. Yes. You know, then so much the better. But it was very sensible and logical. They need shelter. What else do they need? Well, they need to keep warm, they need to keep dry, they need water, they need food. You know, it was really logical and it was it was really satisfying. Yes. Yes. And I think I think it's a little bit different because all of the other PC cast books that we have talked about on the show are YA. So, you know, you've got teenagers who are struggling to figure things out. They don't know exactly what they're going to do, and they make mistakes. But damn it, this book is for adults, and the main characters are in their mid-30s, early 40s, and they have got shit figured out. Yes. They're so smart. And they're teachers, so they know a bunch of stuff. They've Random learned stuff as well. Yes, yes, and like they're putting everything that they've taught for the past, you know, ten or fifteen years into practice, 
They use their classroom management skills in dealing with the group of 30 from Timberline. Because, you know, they're like, well, we've got all these people here and we have to tell them that maybe their blood can make things grow. So what are they going to do? They're like, well, just use your classroom management skills and get them in line. And they do. And it works. And it's perfect. <laughs> yes. And the fact that they have an honest approach as well. They're not bullshitting. They're not mincing words. Mm-mm. They're saying, this is a potato. This is your blood. It makes things grow now. Right. Uh, who wants to test? Yeah. And you know they don't... They they do the same thing. They don't mince their words when they say, oh, yeah, this only affects women positively. And men, you turn into puddles if you breathe in this mist. So don't fucking do it. And at Timberline, before, you know, they break off into their little group and go and find their new home, there's some shitty fucking guys there. And along the way, that's where we, you know, we meet Alvin fucking Rutland on the way there, too. And, you know, there's a group of people that they that they saved when they saved Gemma and her mom. There were a couple of guys there, too. And there were some guys at Timberline, and they're like, oh, so it's all women? Ugh. And they're like, yeah, it fucking is, and we're going to rule the world now, so you need to shut your goddamn mouth. And they're like, yes. oh, but I just... I- um, Are you threatening it. me? Is that a threat? Yeah, and they're like, uh, yeah, it fucking is a threat. I'm a man, and you're threatening me, and you're just a woman. You uh, don't know shit. Yeah, I'm a man. But then there are other men there who are like, uh, yeah, bro, you should listen to them, and I guess you need to start getting along with people, or you're gonna be out there in the fucking mist. Yeah, done. Get the fuck yeah. out. That that's it. It was it was just put them back in the place. Put them in the place. Tell them how it is. You fucked things up for long enough. You can't be trusted. No. And you know what? If you mess up, I'm just gonna go and push you into the mist. I know they don't say that, but I really feel like that's what they're thinking. Like, if you fuck with me, I'm just going to kick your ass out into the mist. And they well, never say it the, because they're the give, so... No, the, the giving of the fighting chance. Yes. They specifically say, give them a backpack, fill it with supplies, yes. and let them go. Yes. And then anything that happens to them is their own stupidity. Yes. They're, they're <sighs> the ones who don't get vaccinated and drink the bleach. Yes, they are taking ivermectin and shitting out their insides. Yeah. But they can't right now, because you know what? They're all have broken bones, they're all bedridden, and you know who's healing them? Women. Women. Who's looking after them? Women. Who's going to make sure they survive the goddamn apocalypse? The women. Yes. Who's going to grow their vegetables and cook the meals? Women. Exactly. But you better goddamn believe that as soon as you're back on your feet, you are contributing to yes. the community. Yes, And not you are. sitting on your arse. No. So, yes, I did like the sensible approach to the apocalypse. Yes. The logical approach. Yes. There was... There was a moment as well when uh, Mercury and Stella are, are talking and uh, Mercury's remembering her dad and they're kind of like, they haven't cried. They haven't been upset by what's happened. Mm-hmm. They are. 
the hurting. Yes. But they've also got this attitude of, well, we need to survive. And it's not just us. We need to help others survive. Especially Stella and her intuition. Mm-hmm. She knows that she what needs to be done or not done. And, you know, that helps push her friends and her, you know, colleagues to be friends and, you know, the found family um, to, to do all of this. And again, it's it's like it's it's nice that we just haven't had four chapters of breakdowns and crying and just falling into themselves. Yeah. And yes, they can, and yes, they're allowed, but it doesn't dominate the narrative. It's like, no, what we need to do is go and do X, Y, and Z. This is what we need to yes, do. Yes, because and this it's, is... It's, it's nice. It's the fucking apocalypse, and you've got to get shit done. Yeah. It's like, you know when you make that list, when you, your head's all over the place, so you make a to-do list, and it's got... Uh, mine has, like, simple things on, like, have a cup of tea, go pee, have a snack, eat lunch, but it's also got like the big things on about you yeah. know, work and chores and stuff. Yeah. But it's having that satisfaction of being able to say, well, you know, I've just I've just gone pee. I'll go tick. Yeah. I've just had a drink. Tick. I've just done this big project. Tick. I've just hoovered the entire house. Tick. And it's having that that's that that's kind of what I got from it. It was like this big, this is the apocalypse. This is what you need to do. This is your list. And we're gonna slowly work through it. Tick, 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 tick. Right now mm-hmm. we found our settlement. This is going to be our forever home. But it's going to be a lot of hard work. Yeah. But you've got list one finished. And I had that kind of like weird sense of accomplishment at the end. Yes. Yeah. It was so nice when they pulled up to the Painted Hills. And this is like a nature preserved. It's a, natu- it's a national forest like or a national park you cannot you know live here but it's the fucking apocalypse so you can do whatever you want but they decide like okay this is a safe space it's out in the middle of nowhere there this like cave has formed because of like sinkholes and the earthquakes and this is this is going to be our safe place and oh look there's a river that flows through this area there's creek we have fresh water this is where we're going to live and nobody's like oh we have to live in a cave they go oh they go oh hey I'm Imani. I minored in engineering in college. I know how to fucking build adobe houses. And so they gather up the supplies that they need when they go into town and fucking Ford dies. But they gather up what they need. <laughs> like, well, you know what we need to make these bricks? Sand. Hay. The clay. So why don't you get some of that while you're in town? And they're like, okay, yeah, that sounds perfect. Let's do that. So we can build fucking bricks and we can build our home. Yeah. But then Ford fucking dies. Because fucking Alvin fucking Rutland. I was really hoping that he would have died. But you know what? He didn't. And You've got to you... have that big mm, bag, though. I know you do. I'm with you, but yeah. you have to have that big bag yeah. in the background. Well, you know, if there weren't, if there wasn't going to be a second book, this is a duology, and we know that the second book is complete and it's coming out soon. But 
it would have been a nice wrap up if mm, if Mercury had just gone off guns ablazing into the mist, screaming, killing Alvin fucking Rutland. Yes, it would have been such a satisfying ending. But you know what? He's fucking gonna come fucking back in book two. It's gonna be I terrible. To die a painful, miserable, disgusting death. And he will in book two. Because PC Cast can do that. She can. She will not let us down. No, she won't. She writes such satisfying things. And you know she won't let us down. You she know she won't. Really good pricks, dicks. Assholes, cunts. She does. Shitty people. She, she does. She. she ugh. Mm. Hate them. Yeah, but hate she them. writes them so well. Yeah. Mm. God, I wish Mercury shot out his snowmobile. I know. I know. Why couldn't it have been his that exploded? Why couldn't it have been his head that exploded? That would have been really good, too. <laughs> I have a question for you, what? and I want to ask this of PC cast as well. What? The plant food in Madras. Oh my god. You cannot fucking call fucking corpses meat. You cannot say that. They are not. If they're not eating them right now, because it's only been the apocalypse for four days, if they're not eating fucking people now, they are going to be eating people in like it's- two weeks. Only been four days and are already killing people for their blood. Yes. Do, do, do they not realise that people make blood? You just need to take a little bit, spread it out. Right. And then they will make more. They will. And you've already taken away all the pads and tampons and are only allowing women to bleed into diva cups, which, you know what? That's fine. It's sustainable. It's great. But don't take away their choices. No. If if you said, listen, we know you can grow things with your blood and a good source of blood is menstruation. Can you use these and donate it? to the vegetable patch and people might at first be like uh, okay uh, ew. but when you get those delicious huge tomatoes yes you oh. are going to be like you know what here's a cup here you go and i think here but that's exactly what mercury and stella are doing which is why amber and mere Cruz are wrong know, the complete opposite <laughs> is that mercury and stella would tell people this is what we're doing. Yep. It seems gross. It sounds gross. But blood will produce food. Right. And so you know what? if you do this, you're helping the community. Right. And people will line up to go, yeah, okay. Yes. They will line up to go and help because they've been given all the information and they've been given a choice. Yeah. Exactly. When you don't give everyone everything they need to know and you take away their right to choose, you make a lot of people angry. Yeah. And Mayor Cruz, within four days, knows their, quote, meat is good for the plants. Right. 
already after four days. Right. How many people has she already killed? Exactly. When Karen looks out, she said, "There's she other. Said, there's there's other many other there." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We, every I I every time in that festival when they're talking about eating the burgers, like, <laughs> where's the cows? I mean, it it is possible that it's not human burgers because it is the because it's with the freezers all, because things are defrosted. Yes, it's only been four days, so you've got to use up all of the meat. But just the simple fact that she says we know that their meat makes things grow too. Don't fucking call fucking people meat. They're getting ready. They are getting ready to soil and green some people. They they are, and I want to ask PC about that because I'm I'm convinced they've already turned to it. They 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 were probably already handling somebody before the apocalypse no they, way they weren't cannibalizing people surely they, not they, give no, them a little bit you of cannot credit. tell me you cannot tell me that mere Cruz, at the very least didn't watch mads mickelson and go huh i wonder mm. and now the opportunity has been handed yeah. to her. She's just going, yes, finally I can eat people. Yeah. <laughs> it's the apocalypse. Um, I can eat people now. No, please. That there's good eating. <laughs> She's just been waiting for her moment mm, to... Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but all I'm saying is the menus are very suspicious in Madras. They are. Can I also admit that I'm finding it really difficult to say Madras because I keep really wanting to say Madras as in the curry. <laughs> it's just a, it's a perfect name for a town. It is. I think it's because I, that when I see the word, when I see Madras, the word Madras, I'm more commonly known as Madras. Well, you know, and I think I think probably like. <laughs> The actual real town is Madras, but the audiobook is Madras, and that's all I. That's oh no, we'll stick with Madras. That's fine. But every time, just know that every time I see the word, I have to go. It's not Madras. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and now I'm really, really craving a chicken Madras. <laughs> well, you know, if you move in there, you can probably cook it. And you can probably use a person to make it. Oh no, 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 no! Are there no. chickens there? I'm going there? to Madras. I'm, I'm having vegetables only. Well, yeah, because <laughs> those. Then? You know what? Just wash them off. Yeah. Because when you grow off. good veggies, anyway, you, you know, you gotta compost stuff, and there's some, you know, questionable things that go into your compost. And how is that any different than just? Oh, there you go. Oh, there's all of my blood. And look at those luscious tomatoes. That's all I want to do. All I want to do is eat the tomatoes there. I'm I'm honestly fine with the using the blood and even menstrual blood to grow the vegetables. I'm perfectly fine with that. My line is that she refers to people as meat that's that's a fine line to cross that's that's I my mean, line you can, you can like, draw that no, line too far <laughs> done too far done 
I'm not going to eat people. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, I'm mostly a vegetarian anyway. I am an unenthusiastic carnivore. And we've had this conversation before, and it's fine. And give me all of the tomatoes. You can have the tomatoes. You know what? Honestly, like, I, I am an omnivore. I will om nom 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 through anything. But if it was the apocalypse and it was easier to be veggie, I'm perfectly fine with that. I do not mind vegetarian. I, I'm integrating vegetarian days into my weekly meal plan. Yeah. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But yeah, I don't. I'm not eating people. I will not eat stop people. Mm-mm. Nope. No, stop it. No, stop it. Look, we have a question in Would You Rather um, later, so maybe we'll have some sort of discussion about Madras and um, eating people and also mm. eating delicious <laughs> fucking tomatoes. Well, sort of linked to that. What? But also moving away from eating people? suspicious menu items. I want to know how much people are being healed. Because you know how the cuts on the fingers and things are getting healed really, really quickly? And that's without Gemma's intervention. I wonder if there's anything else being healed. I know. Like, if you had a sore throat... Does that heal? I know. And I'm really, I really have questions because they also, they talked about science. They talked about viral loads and what it takes to like, for the mist to kill you or change you. Um, And I just, I know that in Madras, they're trying to do all this stuff for science. And I don't want to find out that way. But I would really like to learn the science behind it. And I know it's probably not going to be a thing that we discover, you know, even in the second book. We're probably not going to know that because it takes a long time to study science and to learn the real reasons behind things. So we're probably not going to find out anything that we really, really want to know in book two because that's just not how science works. No, but to be fair, they've also got to have the expertise there if they don't have somebody with the knowledge of how to perform the science and understand the science right. it's not going to happen right and there's none of unless like the cb radios start kicking into other people and mm-hmm. start having conversations with the communities right. they're not going to know what's going no, on on no, the wider global national national and international front yeah so we're just gonna have to learn what we can and reason through what we know and what we can find out we're just going to have to deal with that. But I was I was upset when they, I mean, they're still in Timberline and the handyman died. And Gemma was like, yeah, but he was kind of chunky and he had diabetes. Yeah. So I know that he was a guy and then he's going to, you know, turn into a puddle. But what if it was me? Yeah, is Samesies. like, am I going to be healed? Can Gemma so. heal me? Can Doc Hillary, because let's face it, Doc Hillary is probably also going to be able to do cool things with her blood. But we don't know that. We don't know that yet. But she probably is. And we know that Gemma 
is a healer. And Ford says it. Ford says, yeah, she's a healer. And then they learn, oh, yeah, she really is a healer. And, like, you see it a little bit at the beginning. Like, oh, her, she's she's a comforting presence. And well, I think we'll find out a lot to do with that in book two. We will. I think we will. But we, will, but we also see it happening in you know, the end of this book and her eyes flare green and she heals a bullet wound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have thoughts about that. I have thoughts and I have questions, but we'll save it for later. I also want to know, how does the mist know if they're... Because it's quite... It's not... not... There's a lot of stuff we don't know. Just don't even worry about it. Yeah. Just don't even worry about it for right now, because either we're going to know and we're going to find out in book two, or we're just not going to know. And that's okay, because it just fucking happened, and it's the fucking apocalypse, and we don't know what's happening. No, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm reading um, Etiquette and Espionage again. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I already moved on to book two. That's fine. And I'm probably going to listen to that series a thousand times because it's my favorite one. That's fine. But I'm a bit slow with it because I'm writing the summary for it. So right, I'm on, fine. I'm on my third. I'm on my third listen to it right now. Oh, are you me? Are you me? And you're listening to Into the Mist a thousand times? Yeah, because it, it's Miss Gill. I have to. Anyway. Right. That's Just not even what we're talking about Sort of dropping right ahead a, a little bit of a week, a week, but also linking it into what we're ha- talking about with Into the Mist. In etiquette and espionage, the me- um, mechanical um, like maids and butlers and stuff, they can recognise if it's a boy or a girl in a place like they shouldn't be. They're wearing generally speaking, pants. It, yeah, it's because they're either wearing a skirt or wearing pants. And I'm like, but in Into the Mist, we're a little we seem to be wearing jeans or something. We're a little more wearing, advanced. Yeah, so. How how does it know? Because yeah, I, this is kind of linking back to a conversation that we would we had a couple of weeks ago when we first listened to Into the Mist, and it's like, well, there's a wider scope of people involved. So I know. I think yeah, I think there's a lot of questions, and I have every faith that we're going to have a lot of these answers. Look, can I just PC wouldn't leave things dangling. I know. Can I just can I just tell everyone a little bit of a spoiler of something that I know because I'm in I mean me and PC Caster we're like this we're BFFs but one of the groups that I'm in that she's a part of on Facebook it's her team you know going out into the world and putting the street team the yeah. street team putting out the things that she gives so we can share her joy and love with everyone um in the street team group on Facebook that not very many people are a part of because I'm very, very special. <laughs> um, she did she did mention that there is gonna be some clarification with um our trans family members are are they're gonna be taken care of. And it's going to be mentioned. But you, like, you can't fucking cram all that in in the first book. No, the first one needs to set a lot of scenes. Yes. The first one, you've got to have your origin story. And you then do. And we're, a very, and we're a very small group of people right now. 
And I think it would be disingenuous to put that into the first book. But you know PC Cast is wonderful and she's not going to leave anybody behind. No, no. And we're going to make, and like I said earlier, like, we don't know. This is a very small amount of time and science takes time. <laughs> so we might not figure everything out and that's okay and some stuff might not make sense because it's a very short amount of time it's fine but we know i'll that... tell you right now at the end of book two we're going to be screaming that it's only geology i know i know we are i know we are like can you not we know that pc cast can write 16 books about stuff and like we know that it can be done so just just go ahead and write you know 16 or 20 of these and it'll be fine i wouldn't mind if if it wasn't necessarily about stellar mercury's community like if it was somewhere else in the world yeah and that's fine too but i'm also okay with it being a duology because we all know how much i love a duology it's nice just to have that kind of finite number as well and that's all it is yeah i'm very happy with that we we we, one of the things we're always looking out for is a nice standalone book or nice duology and not a massive series commitment. Yeah. But we also love massive series commitments. Well, yes, because we love we love everything. I know, we do. We love everything. That is a great way to just say, you know what? We love everything. Books. <laughs> we love books. And that's fine. Do you know, I... <laughs> we haven't even talked about, like, our favorite characters or surprises or anything. And I feel like that this would be just a great time to just move right into Would You Rather, but there are other things we have to talk about. But (laughs) it's hard. It's hard to not just go, okay, fine, just fuck it, move on. Well, there are a couple of things I would, like, let we need to dive into, I think. I know, I know. But then we have to play Would You Rather because we're playing Would You Rather with Pussy Cast. And I love PC Cats, and I love everything about her, and I just want to be like, okay, just move on. Just move on to Would You Rather, and it'll be fine, and, and then we can move on to other things. Well, I think a lot of what we do discuss, like, I have thoughts and questions about Karen. I know, I know. But we talk, we'll probably talk about them with PC. But I know. can I say bits I didn't like? What? Yeah, of course you can. And it's not that I didn't like them, it's that I found them very difficult. What? The birth scene. Oh, yeah. It really upset me, actually. <laughs> um, I had a very difficult labour. Very painful. It was horrible. And when you're in so much pain, it took 45 minutes for the epidural to be put in, in five attempts. Um, because it was spine to spine, so my contractions were in my spine, um, and my son wasn't turned properly, so it was excruciating. And all that way through, you kind of worry about the baby, and my son was nonplussed. He was high off his tits because he I had so many drugs by this point. But you have a very rational mind 
and you do think well what's the worst thing and then for that to happen in this book and then it's be so gooey i know it was just a puddle i actually found it quite a distressing scene to read or listen to yeah i didn't like it um and i think other people may find it very difficult as well um so i mean it needed to be in there and need to be done because it needed to be it needed to set the scene that this is the apocalypse yeah it's this the is fucking bad apocalypse and this has consequences yeah yeah really bad consequences straight away yeah. but for me as a listener i found that quite difficult and i really i i you know it, it was one of those kind of hug my son moments mm. so i really struggled with that particular scene um and the there was other there was other scenes as well where they're describing the dead bodies and it wasn't that it upset me, but I just thought they were so visceral. Like, PC did not hold back it. on the horror in this one, that's which is one I of the things I was sure you, you would absolutely adore about it because it had a massive <gasps> aspect of horror. It wasn't just a dystopian future book or like a, even labelled as a sci-fi. It was kind of like a, a an amalgamation of all of these different genres yeah. put together. And those... Those scenes with the with the goo was were just disgusting. Yes. But also and I again, loved it so much. part of the horror aspect, when they find Jaden, Caden and Georgia on the porch in front of the burnt out car with the two parents' bodies in it. Yeah. Again it was like, what the fuck? But it's also right that PC isn't shying away from the fact of the horrors of what can happen. No. And I just keep thinking, like, from Amani's perspective of having kids, I don't remember it, and I don't. I try to listen out to it in both my listen-throughs. If she says she has boys or girls or both, but I had this... What came over me thinking about it and thinking about the families back in Oklahoma when they're talking about the um the the cat cash money, which is one of the greatest names for a cat. I ever. know, it's really good. Um and they talk about the dog. And they're so glad that, you know, they've they've they had the time with their animals and that the animals aren't at home go being hungry or, you right. know, being yeah. distressed. But in my head, and this is where I think potentially it's because of, you know, the parent head um there's going to be babies and children starving to death because they're being looked after by only their father at that time or only male relatives or male people of guardians at that time right and they're going to die and these children and also adults who are dependent yeah are going to suffer so horribly yeah well for not just a short period of time you know they're gonna suffer for days it's the fucking apocalypse and, sh- and it's just bad like, shit happens yeah and it's just it's distressing to actually start to really if you think about it past the borders of this little group and really think about well, if it, half the population is being wiped out, this could happen. And it's like, like 
kind of associated with Amani. I was like, well, her her husband's gone, and if she has a son, he's gone with the mist. But once if she has a little girl, and that little girl is going to be effectively tortured, right? For yeah, days. And there are you don't know the ages or anything like that, right? It tears me inside. It's very, but- it's very hard to think of. But then you also have to think. I know it's terrible, and it's the fucking apocalypse, and things are happening. But then you can also you can think about it in two ways. You can think, yeah, it's the fucking apocalypse, and shit is fucking bad, and things are going to be terrible. And you can think, well, fuck. We're fucked. Or you can think about it the way that our core group does. And you can think, well, you know, we can fucking pull up our bootstraps and we can fucking deal with it. And that's that's the way that I think we have to think about it. Because you can think, oh, there's all the Alvin fucking Rutlands in the world. And they're just going to go out and be fucking terrible. But then you've also got the Stellas and the Mercuries in the world who and the Amanis in the world, especially the Amanis in the world, they're they're going to save who they can and they're gonna be fucking heroes. Yeah. And you know, all around the world all this terrible shit is happening and there's fucking terrible people and there's amazing people who are like, Well, you're my family now, come on. Yeah. So you can think about it in two ways. You can think about it all of the fucking terrible shit that's going to happen. Or there's all of these amazing women and these amazing people who are going to rise up and they're going to take over the world and it's going to be fine. I think we have the luxury as a reader of kind of thinking about the wider world but then being able to go straight back into that sensible approach to the apocalypse right yes this sensible <laughs> approach to the apocalypse is important yeah i guess it's time we didn't say our favorite characters we still didn't we still did Gemma, because she's freaking amazing and stoned karen <laughs> okay those are good <laughs> i it's so hard for me to decide because i love all of them like We've got a really great core group here, and they're just they all precious. They're precious in every way, and they're just all my favorites. I really, really like all of them. <laughs> I really, really like Stella. I really, really like Mercury. I really like. I really like all of them. It's hard. It's hard to pick a favorite. Oh I no, I get it. Yeah, I, I I'm choosing Gemma just because it's a cast teenager, a cast written teenager who gets shit done. Yep, knows her own mind. Yep. is not afraid to learn, and is just amazing in every way, shape, I know. or form. Because I know. we we all know my feelings about certain House of Night characters. Um, and Stone Karen because, damn, that was hilarious. I know. It was so great. I was really worried about Karen. I was worried that, yeah, I mean, it says in the text, she's a fucking Karen. But then, like, then she's not. And she's 
great. And, and I'm glad that she has some growth, but I was really worried about Karen. Yeah, I like the way that she was done because there was points where, you know, when with Georgie, Caden and Jaden, she's reluctant to take them. She doesn't want to take the kids. She wants to leave them. Man, I she, fucking didn't she, want to take those kids either. God damn. No, I, I didn't particularly want to take them either. But um, <laughs> that's by the by. But, but also, like, you can't not. You have. But exactly. You have to take them. You have to take them. But then. You know, Stella and Mercury are constantly reminding her that she's preaching this particular way of living and telling people that they're all going to go to hell because they're not conforming to her beliefs and her vision. But then she's not actually. And again, this is PC's cast's commentary on the current society. They're not living by their own code. Which is what I like about Gemma. She turns around and tells them, you two... To, you're sticking your own nose in other people's business yes. when you need to do a lot of self-reflection and growth. Yeah. God. Grow the yeah. fuck up. I love... You're right. I loved Gemma. I loved her. And I really, really liked that she was like... She she was straight with him. She was like, grown-ups are stupid and you need to stop. Agree. Agree. You need to stop that. She deserved a better mother, and she didn't have that. But she's got. But now she does. She's got so many great moments now. She's got all of the crazy ants. She does all the time. So good. Her, her, she already knows all about red wine. It's so good. I love it. She knows a lot about red wine and weed already. She does. God, I love. I love this book. I love this book so much. Um. Did you were you surprised by anything? I think on the first, if you'd asked me after the first listen to, I probably would have said. <laughs> I know so, it's so hard. Know, it's so hard now after having the second one in such a short <laughs> period of time. I'm sure I was actually a bit surprised by Karen's ability to see into spirit. Um, not that she can do it, but um, I don't know. I think it's because we don't know enough about it yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. There was... And that she was just so blatantly obviously pulling... She was the one pulling away from the group and they're desperately trying to cling on to her. Uh, I think that, that yeah. tells more about the character than anything else. Yeah. Just get her stoned. Just get her stoned. It's fucking fine. Yeah. It's hard. Okay, you was, can you remember any surprises? No, I can't, but I've read this book a thousand times. So The Ford died. The Ford might be some kind of weird being with horns. Something is fucking happening with that guy. He I don't think I don't think he can be gone. I mean he might be gone, but I don't think he can. He left a flower on her pillow. That is both creepy and cool. Yeah, I know. Something is happening. Something is yeah. happening, but I have thoughts and I have questions. And you know what? Should we ask PC? We're going to have to ask rather and go and ask We're going to have to ask her. We're going to dive into We're going to dive in. And you know what? She might not tell us. And it might be okay. And we might just have to wait till book two. But she also I'm might... fully prepared to not have any answers. I know. Because we'll never get given any I answers. I know. <laughs> I know. 
It's fine. It's wonderful. It's going to be a okay. task. All we can do is ask. And you know what? Maybe she'll say something and maybe she'll tell us and maybe it'll be fine. Or we might just have to wait. But I don't know. I don't know. Let's just play Would You Rather. Let's just let's just move on. Let's just talk to PC Cast because ee, PC Cast, I love her. <laughs> I might love her too much. No, no, no. It's not a thing. No. It's hard. Just play play Would You Rather. Would you rather? (laughs) Okay, so what's our Would You Rather? Yes, Would You Rather. Yes, so on social media we asked, Would you rather be able to grow plants with your blood or be able to heal quickly? Resoundingly, across Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok, Everybody wants to be able to heal quickly. And this isn't just small numbers. This is the lowest was 80%. Yeah. See, especially, I well, yeah, during an apocalypse, it's a really good, it's a really good, you know, thing to have, the ability to heal. Of course, if you don't, if you're not able to grow any food, you're fucked either way. you're fucked. Yeah. So what I want to do is be with someone like my, my group where some people have the ability to grow and then some people have well as you guys will know you know because you read the first book and this even gets more pronounced in the second book um the the changes that happen to the women are all based on who they were to begin with yeah and to see you you see more and more of that and then you also we get there's some real bad guys in book two. There's already bad guys. Oh, I yeah, you know bad bad they're yeah. such assholes. And they're, freaks. they're horrible. Yeah. Well, you're gonna see um you're gonna see a, a couple main ones come back in book two. And it's it's bad. And they also have special abilities that are, may I just say, I think the grossest special abilities that I've ever written in any book. And that includes Neferet in the House of Night. Oh, oh, but I love... Oh, 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 you're speaking my love language. I know that. Okay. I always, I always try to scare myself and gross myself out. Yes. And I was just like, especially in the climatic scene, I was like this. Literally, I, I wish I should have taken a couple pictures. Yes. Except that I look like, you know, sanctuary um, <laughs> I, was, I was like this oh. and i'd be like oh, okay oh it's real gross yes i think oh. you guys love it mm-hmm. i can't wait so i think i would uh, i guess i would want the ability to heal too just because it's the apocalypse but i also happen to be really good with plants so i'm already good with plants and i already have like big garden knowledge and that kind of stuff. So I can also grow. That's my. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not very good with plants. I try. I think I've got them all addicted to coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cause you put your grounds in there. I put my grounds and um, when I have extra coffee in the pot, I let it go cold and pour that over the top as well. And it's yeah. the only thing that makes my chili plant actually like, you know, Huh. <laughs> well, I have plants everywhere. You probably can't see behind me. There's a whole room full of plants, and here I'll just do this real quick. Ta-da! 
Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah, you don't need to use your blood for that. No, I'm you'll fine. You'll it's fine. just a tiny piece of plants in my house. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. What are you going with, Amanda? I don't know. I feel like I always choose healing powers, what with the stupid fucking diabetes and all. But that was what, but the like I think we mentioned this in the first time. I what if this change because you find out especially in the second book that this change is really orchestrated by the earth herself mm-hmm. and the old gods are kind of are, are awakening so i would imagine that what if your stupid diabetes was fixed yeah <gasps> that would yeah be great. Mm-hmm. and in book two we talk about um doc hillary is is a uh, is the doctor at timberline yeah mm-hmm. and she- rejoins the group the uh, this is not a big spoiler right. because they always they kind of planned it anyway mm-hmm. um they rejoin the core group yay. um too yeah so we get doc hillary again and doc hillary is um gay she's a lesbian her her wife died remember in the in the hot in tub the, in the, line, in the t- yeah that was that was ter- that was, that, that was so fi- some final destination it was stuff right there i hope she was having a bunch of mimosas and smoking weed when that happened um but but doc hillary when they join the group uh, the women are all they're they're talking about how they probably will never really know who instigated these bombs mm-hmm. and so a bunch of the women were saying you know like stella and mercury and everyone were saying things like you know i wish i knew where they came from just out of just so i know and mm-hmm. someone else was like i wish i knew for sure like why does it do that to men and exactly what is it going to do to us because you find out in book two that yes you can get multiple you can Women can be immersed in the mist more than one time, but there is an ending point where you're no longer really human. Then you're, you, yeah, you change. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, like Mercury's like, I wonder, I, I want to know what, you know, how long, how many times can we be exposed? And then Hillary said, I want to know what it's doing to my community. Mm-hmm. And then they discuss, she's like, is, is it biologically based? So how about our trans sisters? Are they, are they alive? Are they, what's happening? And what, I don't think this is given away too much to talk about this. And um, what Stella immediately says, you know, Stella's our seer. She just Mm. knows things. And she says, yes, they're fine. She (gasps) said, it's spirit. She said, it's spirit. You have answered the question we had in our discussion. Thank you. I already knew that in book one, I already knew that. Right. And my editor and I discussed um, if we should, if I should put it in book one, but then after I wrote it and you know how the action is like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's going like that. And there are a group of teachers from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I don't have any trans women or trans men even in the group. Mm-hmm. And they're like running around trying to survive. So to input a big discussion about what it's doing to the LGBTQ um, plus communities would have been, I felt like, and and my editor agreed with me, that it would have been very forced and very, very like fake and very like, well, PC Cast had to put that in there because, you know, she, you know, she forced that. And yeah, no, I want it to be, I don't want, it's just like, 
when I have any character who is is anywhere, you know, in, with the community, I don't, it's not like, ooh, I better add a gay character. No, it's like, right. oh, that's who this character is. Well, and that's what that's, you did with the doctor. It was a natural conversation yeah. yes, where she mentioned just... my wife died. She was in the hot tub. Yeah. It was the same with Sim as well. Yeah, and the my husband. Driver. Sim, the truck driver. Yeah. yeah. It was they're just natural they're just, because that's what it should be. Yeah, they're just normal people. It's, it's just normal people. So, so I so we decided that I I would and I said, I know that there's a place in book two organically when it's gonna happen, especially when Hillary rejoins the group. Mm. And we're talking community then. And yes. so that's that's where it is. So but oh, I already I knew the answer in book one. Oh, yeah book two i think book two i i love book one i love that world but book two just blew me away i had oh, such a good time with that it's real crazy too. i can't wait i can't wait i i, I did wonder I, I i haven't read slash listened to it as much as amanda has I, i've only done it twice i'm sorry um, i'm obsessed <laughs> but i was wondering if when they breathe in the, the the mist or are affected by it, because they have that healing ability, like um quite naturally, if they had cancer or if they had diabetes or any kind of chronic illness or something, would it cure my eczema? You know, <laughs> you think so. Okay, you would think so. Well, if you were Gemma, yeah. if you were Gemma or Hillary, and you find out in the next book that um Gemma has unique healing. She has a unique healing ability. She heals people more physically. Mm -hmm. And you find out after you get to know Doc Hillary better that who is based, by the way, on one of my besties here, who is a doctor, is my doctor, and her name is Hillary. (laughs) I try not to do that very much anymore because I got in so much trouble during House of Night. (laughs) But sometimes I still do it. But I tell the people first, I'm like, Hillary, May I put you in a book? I'm not killing you this book, but you're going to be gay. And I did kill your wife. I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Shit happens. <laughs> it's fine. But um, Hillary, and because I know her especially, um, she's always very concerned about women's mental health, mm. the, the whole spectrum of our being, um, how our emotional health ties into our physiology. And so her abilities are more emotional healing. Oh, yeah. As you, That's gonna you be good. come to understand her better in book two. That's going to so be good. So if you were a, if you were a healer in the book, and let's say you have eczema or you have stupid diabetes, I would imagine that would be healed for you. Now I don't know if someone else would who doesn't have healing as their as their primary thing. Yeah. Hmm. See, this is why I would like. I would hope. I I would like to be the healer. You know, I'm not very good with plants. People who know what they're doing need to do that. Don't don't let me get involved. I'll cook them, but I'm not good at growing them. Um, but yeah, if I was if I had the healing ability, like be able to heal quickly, I would hope I'd also be able to heal others quickly. Yeah, yeah. And that that, that so that's my pick for this particular. Would you rather? I don't want to be hoarding that. I want to be able to help. Well, we find out that Gemma, um, Gemma's injured. Gemma. 
I love Gemma. Gemma's actually, she has a hard time in book two. And we find out that it's more difficult for her to heal herself than to heal others. Oh, yeah. That's but she how can. it typically it goes. It just happens slower. Yeah. It's just at a slower rate and kind of a lesser rate. I was very worried after she healed Mercury from the the, the, the huge wound. I was yeah. like, no. Was... And I just had this awful image of like the wound transferring to Gemma and then her bleeding out. And I was so worried. And I'm sitting there at work listening to her going, <gasps> Yeah, you were you were right to be worried, and you're going to see in book two why. No, my precious, precious. I will tell you that Gemma will eventually be okay, though. She's okay. such a badass. Like, it's great. I love Gemma. I, I, I love wish her. I had her confidence and her mentality and her just just drive at her age. She's going to like rule this new world. She is. Yeah, she's awesome. She's yeah. awesome, especially as she recovers from you know being left by her mother bitch sorry yeah right. uh, fuck yeah. that bitch i hope amani, she died somewhere yeah, you know she did amani is like what i lost my babies i'd do anything to get them back and you're leaving her to go chase after your husband who you know is probably dead i would love Stupid. to see amani go full rage i can imagine her temper oh, is like mama bear dragon kind of hybrid yes Just breathing fire with lots of fangs yeah and Monty is um money is a big part of book two oh, and money like um is exposed to the mist more Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> i can't wait Ooh. i can't wait um okay, I, don't, next, you I don't even know if i answered that question i'm growing plants i'll do sure. anything with blood because i think it's great and gross okay. and fantastic yeah. okay done next question <laughs> you'll dance in the rain you'll you'll purposely cover yourself in blood and then dance in the rain just to I will. make it drop everywhere yes a thousand <laughs> times yes Doing okay it. next would you rather would you rather pee <laughs> on the side of the road in the snow or in the rain don't eat the snow that was really hard because i don't want to be cold but yet if it's in the rain if it's in the snow you can just brush it off and not be wet when you get back in the truck. But but then you're gonna, I think maybe the snow, because you can just brush it off real fast. Cause I'm gonna pee fast. I'm gonna brush it off real fast. But if you're peeing in the rain, you're getting, you're getting all wet too. Yeah. Like, especially that one time when Mercury pees and it's raining and she sees the, the baby goat, the goat, yeah. the goat spirit. Yeah. And she has to like, she's like holding a, a thing, a, like a uh, what is it, a jacket over yeah. her head? Yeah, Gemma's jacket over her head. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say snow because I'll stick the teeth in Where are you peeing? Are you peeing in snow or rain? I'm peeing in the snow because you know where it is. <laughs> okay. You can keep if, track. if it's in the rain, you don't know where it's draining to. You don't, you can't see any of that. You You've know got... it's isolated in one little area, and you can just like make a little hole, pee in it, do your business, and then you could come back up. Now we go, pat pat, done. <laughs> Plus, you've got the snow already, and you can put it in your hands, and you can have a nice little hand wash with it. That's true. Yeah. It's not yeah. you know that easy because we're in apocalypse. There's no reason to to neglect hygiene. Right. It's very important. Right. And you know my teachers would agree with you. Of course. Now, see, I'm going to go for the rain. I'm going to, because you know what I'm going to do when I squat and pee? I'm going to pee all fucking over myself. And then I'm oh. going to be able to wash it off in the rain or my pants are going to be wet and no one's going to know that I there peed myself. That. Okay, there is that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, peeing all over myself. I, I don't yeah. think I could do it. I'm not. Okay. 
I don't have that skill. I, I had this awful image when I was listening to it. And was it peeing. of me peeing on myself? No, it wasn't. It was, you know, all the peeing in the rain and everything like that. And then um, I was listening to something else and we were talking about um, make sure you get feminine hygiene products because men don't think about periods. And I was like, oh, imagine you're peeing, you're on your period, and then you look down and you're like, oh, look, there's a bunch of wildflowers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get the tampons, get the tampons. (laughs) Yeah, that's why they talk about them in the, in, they talk about tampons, they look for tampons in Madras at that store. And she's like, very gross. So she's, well, not gross. I don't think, I don't think being on your period is gross. I don't mean that. I mean that. Eva Cruz is gross. The mayor there is yeah. like, oh, no, we don't have any tampons. All we have are the cups. Yeah, so, all we've got are and- cups. So I guess we're gonna have to keep your blood. So that was the gross part. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I was so she looking the like the bleach water. I just yeah. when we had our mini episode before, and you were like. <laughs> You're like, well, there is a scene where we're like menstruation, and I just like wanted to squeal about it, but I couldn't because we couldn't we couldn't spoiler. So yeah, that part, <laughs> I loved it. It was terrible, but I loved it. Yes, I'm just glad. I mean, as we said this about another book when we're talking about people going to the the bathroom, and uh, oh, I think was it there was there's someone inside your house, and they took they go to the pee a lot, and there's a character who is menstruating and reaching for her sanitary products and it's a small detail but it's good to have yes those moments in the book going to the toilet being on your period because it's, it's real and it's real yeah. and it yeah. ha- you know it, it, though it, it's it, I, I see it sounds ridiculous it's not ridiculous it's it's a pleasure to have those little tiny things in there about that realism especially you know when you're in a fantastical world you're creating yeah. all this magic and this apocalypse and all this kind of um genius i adored this book so much um that they're, they're still talking about menstruation it's like, yes yes yeah and it's normal and it's real that's one of the reasons that you know i wrote it and that's it, Actually, it's one of the reasons I wrote my very first book, um, Divine by Mistake, was that I love fantasy, but I never saw, there wasn't anyone in the fantasies I really, I mean, like if I was pulled into a fantasy world, I want to know where the toilets are. <laughs> where are my, do you have tampons? And I think Shannon in, in Divine by Mistake even says, my God, I'm going to have to use some kind of rabbit pelt or something <laughs> right between my legs. Oh. You know, I, I want to know. And, and, you know, you're going to drink too much wine and no one ever mentions that in, or they used to never mention that in high fantasy. And same thing with um, contemporary apocalypse novels. Yeah. You know, it's like, who's saving the wine? Where are they going to the bathroom? And what about the weed? Okay. And also like, um, let's, go to all the pharmacies we can because we have a limited amount and limited number of um, antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. And your next stop needs to be the fucking library. Okay. Get your butt back into the stacks and pull everything you can about how to survive Mm. and, you know, forage on local plants and all that. Uh, Maps. Yes. Maps. And, all that stuff. So, yep. 
that's why my people do all that stuff. They raid all those stores and grab all that. Like, yeah. But it, you know, th- those type of moments are helping people plan their apocalypse for their apocalypse. Right. Yes. That's right. You know, you're giving those hints and tips, or so you're setting people up for the future. It's great. Next question. Next question. Yeah. Would you rather stay at Timbline or leave with Stella and Mercury? Oh, I totally leave. I totally leave. Timberline, I know because I live here. I'm not like an hour away from Timberline. I know that it's like still snowing up there for most of the year. And, ugh. and okay, they have a growth station down in the basement, but that growth station is only going to be viable as long as the natural gas line keeps feeding the generator. Mm. What happens when that stops? You are in the middle of a place where you can't, you don't have a real growth season up there on the side of Mount Hood. And no, and not only that, the building is not structurally sound. Right. And in book two, you find out the building is not structurally sound. And still people decide, there's still like five people decide to stay there. They decide not to leave and, and trek across the country. But no, and plus you have a seer, you have Stella who's a seer. That's what you know so far. When they left Timber, Timberline, you know that Stella's a seer. And you also know that like three of the characters can grow um, grow crops with their blood. Mm-hmm. So I'd be going with them. They have that truck and a camper shell. They have and a they firearm. Have at least There's 70 fire. bottles of wine. At they least. have a lot of and whiskey. And tequila. Tequila. Yeah. And weed. They took weed with them too. Yes. Well, they had sandwiches big... as well. I'm going yes. with the sandwiches. A whole lot of sandwiches. There are a yeah. lot of sandwiches. And Stella is one hell of a cook. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going with Stella and Mercury. Mm-hmm. I'm asking Stella first what she right. suggests that I do. And yeah. I will follow her advice. So yeah, this might too. be a bit of a cop-out, but I don't care because it's our would you rather's and we're the lords and masters of all we survey. So I'm asking Stella, and if she tells me to stay at Timberline for now and come... I'm stay my ass at Timberline. Well, then I will stay my ass right. at Timberline. If I go, I go. I, I follow Stella. I me hope too. she says I can go with them. Me too. Even though they have a really hard time in Madras, so... Well, I don't think Timberline's going to be that easy either. Right. So yeah. uh, it's a rock and a hard it, place situation. Some more sciencey stuff happens in book two when you find out that um, the green mist, because of, you know, think about what happens when you cook in a high altitude. Um, you have to change your, you, things boil quicker, mm-hmm. faster. You have to change your recipes and stuff. So the green mist is more um, unpredictable in high elevations too. Oh, I can't so. wait. okay next question next question this is the worst question i almost think that we have ever asked in the history of fictional hangover would you rather be friends with alvin fucking rutland or be one of the mayor's cronies there is no good answer to this question there isn't okay i can't be friends with alvin fucking rutland um i think i would be uh a mayor's crony plotting my my escape oh okay okay that's a good answer if she said escape i say coup Mm, ah yeah Uh uh-huh yeah 
But you, but Madras is not a town I would want to rule. Because, no, no. And we'll get more into that in book two. But there, and we've seen this in our own apocalypse, that there is a certain type of person who is okay with believing lies mm. just because it keeps them comfortable. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. And it's... that's, to me, that's what Madras is full of. You have some exceptions, but they usually get their throats slashed and fed to the tomatoes yeah so um i would not want to stay in madras but so that i wouldn't plan a coup because i don't want to be in charge of those people no i, yeah. I want to stand a coup take charge and tear that place to sh- ribbons just it's 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 a bad place to settle down because it's so exposed to everywhere you know mm-hmm. you've got alvin fucking rutland down the road he is going to come it's gonna like be walking dead style of shit's gonna go on where <laughs> Oh, you know, they you... totally get together. Al and Eva totally get together. Uh, yeah. Oh, you guys. Oh, never mind. I'm not supposed to say anything about Al. Never mind. Let's not talk about Al in book two. I hope he has a horrible, disgusting, grotesque, painful death. That's all I ask. That's oh, all I ask. I promise you he does. Yes. And so does she. By the oh, way. thank goodness. Yes. You're welcome. Because I'm going to slit her throat. That was the part. That was the part that I was just so grossed out when I was writing. That the the big conclusion scene, the big climactic scene, just I grossed myself out so badly. I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, so look, (laughs) I I don't want to be friends with Alvin fucking Rutland because fuck that guy. Yeah. But I... I don't want to be a crony either. I just want to eat all the tomatoes in Madras. <laughs> it's people tomatoes, though. I don't care. Tomatoes, tomatoes are my favorite toma- thing. I'm, I'm convinced that it's Soylent Green. I'm I'm worried that the when they say the meat is good for the plants, no. I don't think it's just good for the plants. It's uh, Soylent yeah, Green. You mm-hmm. can't you can't call people meat without immediately everyone going, "Oh God, those hamburgers they just ate." Oh God! Yeah. Oh God! They're people burgers. The apocalypse would make me vegetarian. Burgers. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm already. I'm a. I'm a vegan. If you don't count, I mean, I'll eat some eggs once in a while, and I once in a while I eat sheep or goat cheese. But other than that, I haven't eaten meat since 2012, oh, and wow. that whole thing grosses me out. Yeah. Okay. Disgust me. So. I love cheese so much. I love cheese so much too, which is why I got real sick because um, I can't, I do not, should not eat cheese. And during our apocalypse, I decided when I couldn't write at the beginning, I would just sit and watch TV and eat cheese, drink wine, smoke weed. <laughs> 20 pounds later, okay, it, my body was like, no, stop it, you crazy old woman. And so then I had to stop again. So perfect. But I didn't eat I I I didn't eat cow cheese anyway because that grosses me out. I know too much about the industry. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. um, sheep, goat, buffalo, anything not cow. Hello, me. I love squeaky cheese. I know cheese is good. Okay, next question. Next, next question. question. This is the last one. Ooh, this one's very serious. It is oh, very I'm serious. Right. Face. Would you rather dance with Ford or cook with Stella? And what kind of dance are you doing with Ford? God, that's a hard question. Because Stella is based after one of my best friends. <gasps> I have Stella a lot. And 
that's a lot of fun. And Ford is based on uh, a man friend of mine. And so I also happen to know he's fun to dance with. Oh, that's a difficult question. You know what? I'm going with my girl. I'm a cook with Stella. Guys can always be danced with, but I'm going with my girl. Oh, and I'm talking awesome. elaborate cook too. She is a she is a awesome awesome chef, and she's been a restaurateur before. Oh, and I'm gonna cook I'm gonna cook with her in her cool house in Oklahoma, the one I mentioned that the um, the Hotel California, the oh. one that I had um, the truck driver mention and say that he stayed at her B and B and she made the awesome breakfast. So I'm gonna cook with her in her awesome house, oh. and then dance with Ford later, probably. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna dance with Ford first. I'm gonna dance. And I'm gonna get. I'm gonna work up an appetite, and right? then I'm gonna go and cook with Stella. Oh, I'm cooking with Stella. I think she could teach me so many things in the kitchen. It's, She's a great yeah. cook. Yeah. She is the domestic goddess. Mm-hmm. Well, another she dance with us. Who... True. Um, we have another good cook who comes in um, in book two, a man, a oh. new male character who you guys will like a lot. That's fun. <gasps> that's exciting. Okay. That's I'm the so end excited of, for book that's, two. That's the end of Would You Rather. <laughs> Mind blown. It's fine. <laughs> I, everything's fine. Everything's fine. God, I love PC Cast so much. <laughs> She's an amazing lady. She's a wonderful human. And I love her. Okay, um, yeah, so everyone go and listen to the bonus episode because oh my god. We got answers. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what else we got? Special things that you're gonna have to fucking wait for, but we don't <laughs> God, she's amazing. I love her. She is just... She is such a phenomenal lady. I just... I just... Yeah. It's like when we came back from our break earlier and we were like, you know what? Fuck it. No words. Well, you, that's how I feel about PC Cats, too. <laughs> she's amazing. And that's it. Done. You've actually seemed to have drained of all emotion as well because you're just like in the stunned kind of fugue state. <laughs> but it's fine. It is, it is. It was an amazing, amazing chat. Like, she's just... I love her. I love her. I would her. love to get drunk with her. I know, my God, me too. I love her too much. <laughs> We've established that's not possible. Yeah, I know. God, Should we do favorite final thought quote? Yes. We should. I'm sorry. I'm just dead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love her so much. I just can't comprehend things sometimes. Okay. Um. Favorite final thought quote. Move on. Move on. Be good. Be good, Amanda. Be real. Be a human again. I've got four. Wow. I have a lot myself. But you have four. Okay, go. Ready? Go. Do you not understand that this is life and death and that your prudish, naive ideas of right and wrong take a backseat to what's actually best for us? <laughs> Fucking tell it how it is. Thank so you. good. 
If you don't like cuss words, then don't use them. But it's not your business to tell anyone else what words or tone they should or shouldn't use. And it's ridiculous that shit and fuck are what you're focused on. <laughs> it annoys me so badly when people are like, people who use curse words must have a low intellect. Nope. Actually, Actually I think you'll find... We're fucking smart. Science. Science! Science, motherfuckers. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> cliff dwellings. That was definitely not on my apocalypse bingo card. Thank you, Ford. Thank you, R.I.P. Ford. R.I.P. Bro. See you in the next line. And my last one. I can deal with some shit a little tipsy. Hi, I'm good for nothing except giggles and a nap. Amani, Amani. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? She is amazing. She is amazing. Also, you know what else is amazing? Giggles in a nap. <laughs> I could go for some giggles in a nap. I really actually. could. I really, really could. I have so many favorite final thought quotes. So, the, so this many. book is littered with them. These are literally the four that I, um, my app. Or my audiobook app is being acting up and getting rid of my bookmarks. Mm. These are the only four that I actually had left. I had that many. <sighs> there's so there's so many good ones. And you know, one of the things that I love um, about PC Cast is that she is not afraid to just to have all of the fucks fuck all over the place, and it's fine. And that's why one of the reasons why I love her so that's much. That's because it's natural. That's how people it speak. Is. It's real. It's natural and it's real and it's just amazing. So um, there's one. I've got like a thousand quotes in this one, but there's one of one of my favorites, and it was a serious one. You made a joke because you're alive. I don't know what else to fucking say or do except that we have to keep on going. Keep on living. And there's no point to that if we can't joke or smile or eventually find some semblance of happiness. That was my serious one. It's the fucking apocalypse, Karen. (laughs) Asshats everywhere. <laughs> I'm mad as fuck all. What the fuckery? <laughs> oh. I'm a good reader louder. <laughs> Sorry, that didn't have any fucking fuck words in it, but I'm a good reader louder. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, um, damn. And then there's one that, like, doesn't really have anything to do with what's going on, and I think it's great, and it's, have you ever wondered what bunnies and eggs have to do with zombie Jesus rising from the grave? <laughs> zombie Jesus. So good. So, there's so, there's so many more, but that's enough for now. It's a fucking apocalypse, Karen. It's a fucking apocalypse. It's a fucking apocalypse, Karen. 
It's the apocalypse, Karen. Car- Car- Karen, it's the apocalypse. I love it. I love it. So if that isn't the quote on the top, on the it's episode. the fuck. It's the fucking apocalypse. It's the fucking apocalypse. I can't even see it now. It's the fucking apocalypse, Karen. It's the fucking apocalypse. Oh, All right. dear me. Um, if you like this, try this. I am going with a book that I have on my TBR and has been for a little while. Mm, okay, yeah. What is it? Um, I don't know because you didn't include it in the notes. <laughs> so I'm really excited to find out what it is. <laughs> I know, I just realised, and I was like, quickly, get it up. <laughs> you know what? It's the fucking apocalypse, Karen, it's fine. It's the fucking apocalypse. I can't be expected to remember everything in the fucking apocalypse. So, you get what you get. And it's called All That's Left in the World by Eric J. Brown. So, the synopsis from Goodreads. When Andrew stumbles upon Jamie's house, he's injured, starved, and has nothing left to lose. A deadly pathogen has killed off most of the world's population, including everyone both boys have ever loved. And if this new world has taught them anything, it's to be scared of what other desperate people will do. So why does it seem easy for them to trust each other? After danger breaches their shelter, they flee south in search of civilization. But something isn't adding up about Andrew's story, and it could cost them everything. And Jamie has a secret too. He's starting to feel something more than friendship for Andrew, adding another layer of fear and confusion to an already tumultuous journey. The road ahead of them is long, and to survive they'll have to share their secrets, face the consequences of their actions, and find the courage to fight for the future they desire together. Only one thing feels certain. All that's left in the world is an undeniable pull they have toward each other. And I know I've recommended this before, but when we're talking about an apocalypse and finding a found family and potential Mm. relationships, but also it being a pathogen, I have to go back and recommend it again. Yeah, It's it's on my TBR list. I do want to read it. Um, It is queer fiction, as you can probably tell from the summary. So, you know, it's just got so many layers to it. So, that's what I'm going with. All that's left in the world by Eric J. Brown. Okay. And depending which issue you get, the covers are really nice. Ooh. <laughs> Fun. Hey, we know something about nice covers. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> what are you recommending? Um, I am... <laughs> I am going to recommend a book by someone that we really love, but we've only covered one book by him. Terrible. It's not Jackson Ford, then. No, it's not. Um, It's a Rick Yancey book. (gasps) I can still smell it, Amanda. Amanda, I can still smell it. I know. I know. (laughs) What of the foot boot? Yeah, um, but this one's a little bit different. This is... The Fifth Wave by Rick Yancey. And ah. yeah, it's Apocalypse, um, um, but it's also Aliens. Isn't this a movie with Hayden Christensen? Is Hayden Christensen in it? 
Is it Hidden Christian? I think it's something else. Um, I mean, it is a movie. They did make it into a movie, which is fantastic. Um, also, no, it's Chloe Grace uh, yeah. Moritz that's in it. Chloe, yes, Chloe Grace Moritz is in this one. The movie wasn't great. But the book was great. Um, the Fifth Wave. After the first wave, only darkness remains. After the second, only the lucky escape. And after the third, only the unlucky survive. After the fourth wave, only one rule applies. Trust no one. Now it's the dawn of the fifth wave. And on a lonely stretch of highway, Cassie runs from them. The beings who only look human. Who roam the countryside, killing anyone they see. Who have scattered Earth's last survivors. To stay alone is to stay alive. Cassie believes... Until she meets Evan Walker, beguiling and mysterious. Evan Walker may be Cassie's only hope for rescuing her brother, or even saving herself. But Cassie must choose between trust and despair, between defiance and surrender, between life and death. To give up or to get up. So it's the end of the world and there's aliens. Nice. The Hadrian Christian movie I was thinking of was Vanishing on 7th Street. It's not good. It's not good at all. Yeah, that's not not the same. But that's what I was thinking of. Do you have an indie spotlight? We do. We do. And um, it's a little bit kind of kind of tenuous. Like a little bit. You know we love a tenuous link. We do. But it also kind of makes me sad. Because it's about animals. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is called Dogs of the Deadlands by Anthony McGowan. And it's also kind of an end of the world thing. But not quite. It's about Chernobyl. Okay. As humans fled the nuclear disaster, they were forced to leave their pets behind. Without people, nature began to return to the woods surrounding the power plant. Lynx, bear, and wolves. But the overgrown forest is no place for dogs. Can Zoya and her pups, Misha and Luca, learn to survive in the Deadlands? And will Zoya ever find her way home to her beloved owner? Oh. Gosh, I hope so. Oh, sad. <laughs> She's having half an emotion here. I know. Um, so that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time. Gosh, we're um we're traveling back in time a little bit. Um, we've already covered this in the before times, in the before times without Claire, but you know, it's, we can't not, we can't not cover these books because we've covered every other Gale character book that has ever existed. Um, so we are talking about 
etiquette and espionage. <laughs> Bye, Gail Carragher. And that, so happy. That is um, another one of our... Excessively British. Excessively British books. It's another one of our themes for this month. But it's also really amazing that we're covering this series because Gail Carriger brought us together. Yep. So we have to cover it. It's very we important. Do. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. And become a member of our bonus tier so you can watch our video with PC Cash because it's amazing. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover no ER. If you like this episode check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.